Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. So superheroes, we are incredibly lucky to have a very, very special guest with us today, Dr. Christopher Hartnett, I am extraordinarily lucky to say is a friend of mine now, a friend that I met through the most special person on the planet Earth, Master John Douglas. I asked him very last minute today, we are recording this on 9-11, so 9-11-19, we are recording. Because when I woke up this morning, I knew that the podcast that had to go up on 9-12, the day after this anniversary date, had to be one that dealt with the consciousness of our planet. And there is nobody on this planet right now that I can say is in the business of raising the consciousness of our planet more than Dr. Christopher Hartnett. He is the chairman of the Global Self Foundation and CMA International Foundation. Those are both Master John Douglas's foundations. He is also the chairman of Global Media LLC. But listen to this. I'm just going to give you a brief little survey of what has led him on his path, this exquisite, perfect path lined with jewels. You'll hear about the jewels in a second. (laughs) A jewel-lined path to where he is now, which I am coining is in the business of soul realization. And I say that with all humility. So Chris went to Harvard Business School. He has a double PhD from Maharishi Research University in Switzerland in business management and Vedic science. He was in real estate development. He started an extraordinarily successful gem business, which was inspired when he was looking for a diamond for the engagement ring for his beloved wife, Linda, who I also call a friend. When he was looking for her engagement ring, he started learning about gems and then essentially turned that into a million, multi-million dollar company, Gemstone Investment Company. And he is, speaking of that jewel-lined path, he has a, a 169-carat pink emerald, among others, but 169 carat pink emeralds. Can we just talk about that for a second? It's the largest, <laughs> largest heart-shaped, heart-shaped pink emerald. Heart-shaped pink em- emerald, superheroes. He is in the business of love. I should have said that up front. You are more than anything in the business of love. He was a commodities broker, an incredibly successful commodities broker. And again, how he landed on that path is an extraordinary, All every step of the way, each step of his path is an extraordinary story unto itself. 
And then he started USA Global Link, which was the first company to bring VOIP to us, internet internet calling to the world. He made the first VOIP call from Europe to Chicago. Unbelievable. Then he moved from that world into 800 numbers and domains, buying domains. He was also a a magician and he also started and ran the Maharishi Global Development. He was in the, he has been doing TM since, since you were a teenager, I think, right, Chris? And yeah. welcome. Let's just on that note, just say welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. <laughs> so, EM, so you were in the business of raising your own consciousness with TM, but I want to talk specifically about the, the moment in your journey, which was 2001 the anniversary of 9-11-2001, in that year, 2001, you were also closing USA Global Link for a very important reason. And I want to just take us back to 2001 because I think that was a seminal year for the consciousness of our planet and also for you on your path, and which led you and me to speaking today. Beautiful. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And uh, it's funny listening to that. It's, I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's interesting how the days go by, the lifetimes it seems go by so quickly. And uh, each one of these little adventures in my life was literally like a lifetime, this lifetime. And uh, I love the spontaneity of this call. I, I got a text not more than two hours ago, and Bridget said, can you, can you come on my podcast and I looked at it and I said I have so much I'm doing today and all of a sudden nature just seemed to organize it so there's nothing I'd rather be doing at this moment and for your listeners I don't know who they all are but I just want them to know that Bridget's one of my favorite people on the planet literally and oh. she is just uh, really a cosmic queen beyond compare and uh, we just love her dearly my wife Linda and I and our whole family and the CMA family and the Global Self Foundation family and all the other organizations that we represent, they all know Bridget. And to know Bridget is to love Bridget. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to, not correct, but just to add on maybe some of the things that you said that, that John Douglas, Master John Douglas, he has these two foundations. And realistically, they're really not his foundations. And people don't realize this, but we started the Global Self Foundation totally outside of Master John Douglas. And it was started by a group of Chicago business people, basically, and and two families that wanted to um, go and investigate alternative health modalities. And one thing that Bridget uh, didn't touch on was just that I spent almost 13 years in bed while we built the largest phone company in the world, USA Global Inc., and Global Online, which was GOL before AOL. And we were in 192 countries, but that was all from bed. I was very sick and actually under 100 pounds. And so when I finally started to get a little bit better, and we had spent many years literally traveling the globe looking for healers, and quite frankly, I'm not a big proponent of of what people call healing unless it actually works. And I think that's the business influence that I've had all these years is that when you're a business person, if it doesn't work, you don't do it. It's just not profitable and you drop it quickly, but you, you want to be creative in the same way here. I spent with my wife a long time. We were very fortunate at the time. 
and we had um, some jets at our disposal and jet helicopter and planes. And so we literally went around the world trying to find somebody to heal me, especially when I went from 190 pounds down to under 100 pounds. And we had the largest phone company in the world, which is great. But at the same time, I couldn't walk, I couldn't go to the bathroom, and I couldn't eat. And so I had to be fed intravenously for many years. And so I was really in the market to find a real healer. And when I found out, there was a lot of people with great intentions that would talk about being healers. And they actually, in many ways, um, could do some goodness. Then they would pray or bring some goodness into the, the environment when they would do what they did. But I found very few people that could actually heal a problem. And luckily, when we started the Global Self Foundation, we had two or three healers we were looking at very closely. And uh, Master John Douglas was one of those. And he was the youngest of the crew. And he had from, came from Australia. And we started tracking with a group of doctors. I have a doctor's board, on, which is an advisory board to the foundation. And we have some very prominent doctors, literally global doctors, that that have joined us. And the research was coming back that there was one person that was healing consistently, and that was Master John Douglas. And so we decided to really focus a lot of our attention on him. And so we started a new nonprofit foundation, and that was the CMA International Foundation, which is also has a subsidiary uh, of the Church of the Master Angels, and that's a non-denominal non uh, church that basically, believe it or not, has probably more Jewish people in it than anything else, which is interesting. <laughs> and one of my dear Jewish friends said, why don't we make this a temple of, of the master angels? And we could easily do that. But, you know, especially in the United States, since the healing is all done and true healing, I found out the, the hard way is done only by master angels and by God. Really, any healing that's done on the planet is done by God. And everybody has a different version of what God is. But my experience very clearly is that it's through the grace of God that people get healed. And I was not a proponent, a big proponent, even though I had been meditating for over 40 years, I wasn't a big proponent of God being a healer, and I wasn't aware of that. But also, the person doing the healing has to, in some way, shape, or form, have the ability to mitigate karma. And people don't talk a lot about karmic mitigation, but if you talk about healing and you don't talk about karmic mitigation, you're really missing the whole point. Because if you have a health issue, whatever that issue is, whether it's an emotional issue, whether it's a physical issue, if there's a problem, it has to do with the karmic situation. So a true healer has the ability to contact someone of a higher spiritual nature that can mitigate that karma that's causing the problem. And that usually takes an enlightened master. And growing up in the 60s and 70s, we were all, especially in California at the time, I was in California as a young man in, in college, and we were into the, the searching for self-realization. And that's really what our whole focus was on. And that's originally why we started the Global Self Foundation, because I grew up in a generation where those people that were seekers would look for to try to become self-realized, like Yogananda did, Maharishi did, and all the great saints of the time. They were coming out with this new knowledge from India, bringing it into Western society. And it was a whole new thing to realize that the purpose of life wasn't just to make money, and most of us didn't know that. It wasn't just to have fame. Most of us didn't know that. It wasn't to become powerful. The purpose of life was just that very simple thing of realizing your inner self and your inner soul. And 
the beautiful thing about Master John Douglas that, that Bridget mentioned is that when I met him after having so many of these great gurus and teachers that I was fortunate enough to get to know over the years, that Master John Douglas basically would do the miracle first. He would heal you first, and that's from cancer, complete people that were riddled with cancer, to Lyme disease, to all types of ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and all types of things. And we've seen him do this. But after he heals the people, then he starts talking about, well, you should really get in contact with your higher soul. And it's kind of like the proof is in the pudding. He does it first, and it's through those miracles, through that window of those miracles that we see really what what he's on the planet for and what he's really teaching. And what he's really teaching is just to be yourself. And that's why I think we all love him. He never asked me to do anything but what I am and who I am and who I want to be. And any of us who know Bridget know she's one of the most colorful individuals on the planet. And Master John has never asked any of us to be anything but who we really are. And that's the beauty of it. And he's a very simple person, very so much fun. And literally every day I've ever spent with him was fun. And I have some great experiences that we've talked about through our advanced courses, our elite courses. We go into those experiences that many people have had with him. But if he's a teacher and a guru, guru just meaning teacher, people get freaked out when they hear the word guru, but he doesn't ask you for to do anything but enliven the teacher or guru within yourself. And I think that's why we all love them. There's no, we don't have to join anything. We don't have to sell any prayer books at the airport. We don't have to get into any cults or all sing together at the same time. Although if Bridget's there, we probably will end up singing as she leads us all many times. But, but the reality is, he's just someone that really has helped us get down to ourselves. But at the same time, he heals, and he heals through that ability to mitigate the karma. And again, I can't emphasize enough that whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whatever it is, it's kind of like we all have a bank account in the cosmos, a cosmic bank account. And every good thing that you do gives you a deposit in that account. And if you've been meditating for 30, 40 years, you get a lot of good deposits in that account. If you're a good person and maybe you don't meditate, but you just pray, you get a lot of good credit in your bank account. And then if you use some of these very powerful techniques that a lot of these very enlightened people have shared, and they're really good ones, and you know you're praying to the right people, not the problem is a lot of people are praying to a lot of, of, of entities that they don't really understand and unfortunately can get themselves off a good path. But as you're making these deposits in your account, when something comes around where you need to, to literally draw from that account, you have the karmic power in that account to mitigate some of the problems that you're having. And those people that want to add to their account or add to their cosmic account, there's many things that they can do through prayer and meditation. And I think for me, that's really what Master John Douglas brought about was he said to me, hey, you know, you've been meditating all these years, you know all these gurus, you've been very successful in business, so you got to travel the world and meet all these different healers. But really what your whole focus should be is just connecting to your inner soul and making deposits in your cosmic bank account. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the, the essence of what, what John has taught us. And now it's funny, we just had some big courses here in Heavenly Mountain, North Carolina. I know Bridget came and many people, we had people from over, I think, 14 countries. And there was over 260 people that came over the month of August, different weekends. And we all had the same experience that you really don't have to give up anything to be healed. All you have to do is basically, it's a very simple process. You have to ask to be healed, and then you have to be grateful. And it's funny, you would think it would be so easy to do those two things. I mean, I could see you having a t-shirt, just ask and be grateful. Mm -hmm. You could do anything, but literally, you could get a billion dollars worth of healing 
if you ask, but you think of yourself what it takes for you to ask for help. Many of us think we're in control of our life, which is an illusion, but do we think we're in control? And when you go outside yourself and you say, can you help me? Ready? can you help me unload the car? Can you help me carry my luggage? Can you help me move this ladder over here? Or can you help me get rid of my disease or lack of ease in my body? It all is a form of surrender. And you know, I remember when I was much younger and uh, we had people working for us and I wouldn't let anybody carry my luggage. I thought it was, you know, I don't care how much money we're making, I'm going to always carry my own luggage. Well, then I got so sick that my luggage weighed more than I did and I needed help carrying it. And I had to surrender. And I remember having a long discussion with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi one night and he said to me, he said, just let go, let people help you. He mm-hmm. said, it's their good karma to help you and you need help. So why is it that you have to hold on to this pride or whatever it is not to ask for help? So asking for help is the first way you get healed. And then that's all you have to do, but it takes a moment of surrender. And most people who think they're in control cannot ask for help. They can't say, you know, is there something higher than me? And we think about all of whether it's a politician or it's, it's somebody leading a big company or it's someone healing other people on many levels. Can they let go enough to ask for help? And once you ask for help, there are certain people that have the power, have the ability, and can call that grace into your life for you. And they mitigate your karma for you. And then you have to be grateful. That's it. doesn't mean you have to pay them a lot of money to do it. doesn't mean you have to put a shrine up for them. You just say thank you. And you would think those two things are so easy. But, Bridget, what I've found, believe it or not, is those are two of the hardest things, especially for people who are very successful. They don't want to let go of anything. They got there with their success with their focus, which is beautiful. But part of the greatest focus is to be able to let go of that focus and let nature take over. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very difficult for people who are successful to get rid of that focus for a second and let go and let nature tell you what nature wants you to do. And that's really the hardest thing for many of us to do in the healing process is to get out of the way so that the healing can take place. Can I, now, I want to interrupt you with a, please. put a pin in that, hold your thought. There's a really great article and I'll put a link to this article um, in Domain News that came out in 2008. And I want to read a quote from it because it's, it's so apropos to what you just said. You said, arrogance, thinking you are better than someone is the one thing that is stopping harmony and tremendous wealth in this world. And whether it is on a spiritual level, a financial level, or an intellectual level, the truth is intellect doesn't define a person, a pocketbook doesn't define a person, and spirituality, however you define your God or commune with him, in my book, it's the same God, whatever different people call him. And that was in 2008, and I want to just ask you, I want to put a pin in that moment. When did you meet, what year did you meet John Douglas? 2008. Oh my gosh, up to that point. And I remember you telling a very moving story about how obviously you followed Maharishi and were very close to Maharishi for many, many years, but he, he was not able to take on that karma. So I want to bring back this, what John Douglas does in terms of karma. I'm, I loved how you discussed karma earlier. A lot of people push that word away. It's just, you know, it's like judgmental. You're telling me I'm bad and wrong or whatever reasons people push away the word karma and you did it so elegantly. But can we bring it back around to what John Douglas, Master John Douglas does in terms of karma also? Yeah, no, I think it's most important to say, first of all, Marishi, of course he can mitigate karma. I mean, he couldn't have had seven and a half million people that followed him that he helped the way he helped them unless he can mitigate karma. So any enlightened being, yeah. yeah, any enlightened being has the ability to 
help mitigate karma, but that was not his dharma. In other words, dharma being his reason for on earth. Maharishi revised meditation, transcendental meditation, which is an extremely powerful technique in all the advanced programs of, of TM and the TM City program. And he also revives the Pachaved and all the Vedic architecture. And his thing was to revive a lot of these things and just wake up the world that these things were there and that we should look into them but his whole thing was that he did have the ayurvedic healing and and revive that whole part of the knowledge vedic knowledge but that was not his whole purpose for being on earth where master john is different he just made a decision i think very on when he was very little and he had a complete clairvoyant opening when he was nine years old and he made a decision he could see people being sick that he was going to heal i love the way he does this but he's going to heal people first and ask questions later (laughs) the way he does heal them is he has to help mitigate their karma and it's very hard for someone who's not in that level of consciousness, who's not totally self-realized and totally awake, to understand how that's mitigated. And, you know, the whole story of Christ dying on the cross for the sins uh, of the world, you know, that's a form of karmic mitigation. You know, at the end of Yogananda's book, he talks about how his body didn't decay, and six months later they have the, the person at Forest Lawn Cemetery saying they have his body and they never embalmed it, and it, it hadn't decayed at all. But then again, when Maharishi died, you know, his body not only decayed, but it started to blow up. And it's not that he couldn't have stopped that. What people don't realize is that once someone reaches that level of consciousness, they truly can perform miracles. But their miracles are in accord with the laws of nature. They're not just flashy, something they do in a circus and let me, you know, prove to me you're cool, walk across my swimming pool, as they say in Jesus Christ, superstar. It's, it's not flashy like that, but miracles are miracles. And that brings up a whole thing, which we were talking about when you here, Bridget, in, in North Carolina at Heavenly Mountain, is that consciousness is really the basis for all of this change. To increase your consciousness and increase the collective consciousness, and that's one of the things that you, you asked me to mention, is that on the, uh, what is it, September, I think it's 28th, is that right, the 28th? Mm-hmm. 28th. We're going to have um, what, what's called the World of light global video events. And we're just all over the world since we have people from all over the world. We're going to have a, a oh, video no, okay. event. The video events are going to be October 27th, but September 28th is the free Oh, conference you're call. right. I'm sorry. That's no. the free conference call. Right. So, so you're right. I'm sorry. Two different, so, so, two different exciting things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, so the free conference call is from Sydney, and that's Master John. And that was an introduction. He wanted to just let anybody who wanted to hear him and experience what he's talking about. And I think he picked that date just before he went back to Australia last week. And that's September 28th. He's going to do that free conference call from Sydney. I think it's nine o'clock on the west or uh, east coast and six o'clock on the west coast on the 20th. And I think all that information should be on his website, which is masterangels.org, I think. Master yeah. Angels. I'll put a link. I'll put a link. I'll put a link in the podcast notes. So and, th- and that's going to be great, but it's the collective consciousness that we're always going for because, you know, it, it's a little frustrating because after all the spiritual development that many of us have spent our lives doing, I remember leaving home. My father was a very successful real estate developer and he kicked me out of the house because he found some substance in my glove box that wasn't legal at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and he literally threw me out of the house and I had to go. I didn't come back until I bought my wife home to, to introduce him to my, to my future wife many years later. And my father was a great man. But he didn't quite understand, and most people didn't understand at the time, that we were not, our culture didn't allow 
this type of knowledge in there. He was a very religious man, actually. He went to church almost every day of his life, and he was a, he was a wonderful man. But we didn't have anything in our culture that said, what's really the true purpose of life? What are we really here for? And you know, without joining something where you have to give up everything and your individuality, how can you experience your true collective self? And what, what frustrates me, and, and you know, we talk about climate change. I just read this article this morning about climate change. And climate change is great. We want to do that. But do we really know what's affecting that? We know about carbon emissions. We know about this. But do we really know, and from what level of consciousness are we looking at these problems from? And the, and the reality is the best way to solve any problem is from a higher level of consciousness. And knowledge is structured in consciousness. As you get to higher and higher levels of consciously, consciousness, hopefully, we'll be able to solve a lot of these problems. And I know in set theory and mathematics, they now realize that there's one truth for probability on one level of consciousness, and then you go to a higher level and they see sets of sets. So in, in mathematics and physics, everything, they're realizing that there's all these different levels of consciousness. Well, with climate change, do we really need, is it really about the straws? And, you know, you get one picture of, of a, a turtle with a straw and it goes viral and everybody in the world is saving straws. But at the same time, you know, they're creating more problem with the paper straws than they may have doing with the other straws. But not that that's not a good thing. We have to look at everything in our environment. We have to be responsible for our environment. We've got to realize what our footprint is. But a footprint of not just what we're doing with our physical bodies, which are a consciousness footprint. When we sit there and we hate somebody because of their political view, we hate somebody because they didn't do this or they didn't do that, we're throwing negativity and we're creating negativity in our environment. And some people are so dramatic about climate change that they hate other people. And they're not even taking care of their own environment, their own thoughts, their own vibration, and their own little environment. So how can they change the environment of the world if they can't change the environment that they're creating in their own house, in their own community, in their own whatever? So we're responsible to create... So it's like consciousness climate change, our own consciousness climate change that we have to be aware of. I love that. Exactly. And then by collectively increasing the consciousness and the wholeness and the goodness of our own individuality, then we can go collectively and solve these problems. I had a thing that we used to do back in my company when Globalink was literally the largest phone company in the world. Whenever we had a big problem, whether it was a legal lawsuit or something like that, we went into all these countries and they didn't want the free telephony because they were all raping and pillaging in their country with the prices. Some countries had $13 a minute calls. We were coming in at 13 cents. And they tried to put my reps in jail, tried to put me in jail in Singapore. And they said, you, you, were, you're gonna put, you cost us $300 million last year. I said, no, we lowered your prices, $300 million. We're helping your people communicate. And our whole purpose, the whole foundation of that company, our mission statement, said, that we're going to lower the cost of telecommunications and we ended up inventing internet telephony. Skype as it is today was invented by USA Global Link and our company. And we did that to lower the cost so that people can communicate around the world and not at outrageous prices so they can communicate freely. And eventually that's what we did with internet telephony and the voice over IP. It meant that people can communicate freely through now. There's all these different companies to do it. But the idea was just so that people can communicate because Marishi told me one day very quietly back in 19 96, he said to me, he said, if you can break down the monopolies of the world in telecommunication and people can communicate freely, they're not going to kill each other. The funny thing is, if you're making money with someone, you're not going to kill them. Why don't we have a major war right now with China? With all this, we have a trade war, but why don't we have a major war? The reason we don't is because they have all of our debt. You know, that we, if they get rid of us, they don't get paid back. 
we're intertwined now in such a degree. It's so beautiful that everybody, the world is our family was our slogan of our company, but that's truly it. The world is our family. And we had people working for us from every country. And when you're making money with people, funny thing is you don't shoot at them. You don't kill them. You don't destroy them. You don't want any harm to come to them because it's that collective consciousness that changes the world. So the question now is to heal. And he asked about John Douglas and how does he do it? He basically can help mitigate the karma for everyone who comes to see him. That's what he does. He has the ability to pray, if you will, for lack of a better word, on your behalf or negotiate with the Lord of Karma on your behalf. And every great saint was able to do this. They didn't talk a lot about it, but that's just what they do. And we can watch those of us who spend a lot of time with John. We watch him do it. And he literally can help take on the karma. And then once that person is cured, and their karma is alleviated, and it may take three or four times of them seeing him. Some people get healed instantly. Bridget, you and I have many friends we could talk about forever that had these testimonials that, that you guys all have done and put on websites and all that, of people that got healed instantly. But it depends on the karmic debt. And then other people come and they walk into an event and they say, heal me. I've waited for four hours. Come and heal me. Well, those people are probably not going to get the best healing. Usually the people who get the best healing, in my experience, after following John around now for these last 10 years and watch him heal people all over the world, and from the Dubai and one of the richest men in the world, his daughter, to we, we went to Singapore and he healed all these billionaires in China and, and their children and then other people who he just takes in from anywhere, and they come to his events. But usually those little old ladies who put their kids through college by by cleaning floors they come in and they're shaped like a candy cane with spinal problems and this and this and they walk out erect and out of their wheelchairs and for me you know that's like some it's almost scary because it's such a revival thing you're afraid people are going to go oh this is this what was that with your mother the chad sitting there do, doing and the fact is that we don't have to fake any of this now if this is a reality that we have so many people that come to our events and and that's why john wanted to do the free event he said let's open it to everybody let them come experience it and everybody will feel something and like that and then we have these other global events in all the city where john won't be there but there are video events and then eventually we have this new tour that's coming out and the the new tour i think we just got the name was golden rays of bliss tour that's going to start in chicago i think it's on the uh the 9th of uh, November. It starts in Chicago. But I'm putting all these plugs in for the thing because all your listeners, it's like it's free. It's easy. Go experience it. You can talk until you're blowing the face. And, you know, we could talk about all the great miracles. And we could literally have this conversation go on for a lot of time because between Bridget, you and I, we probably know so many people that have miracles. But everybody deserves their own miracle. If you're sick, you're sitting there, you're in pain, you should not be in pain. The whole purpose of life is bliss. It's not pain. And I spent, like Bridget mentioned there, I was sick but 13 years in bed, and I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk, and I couldn't go to the bathroom. We, you think these are basic things, but when you can't do it, it doesn't matter if you have jets and you have money and you have this. If you can't go to the bathroom, you've got yourself a problem. And Marishi told me once, I was so sick, and I said, Marishi, can't you help you? Can't you help me? And he said, look, I've done everything I can do within the karmic realms of I'm allowed to mitigate for you. He said, but you probably have four or five, maybe six more years of this. It was six years later after he said that that I met John. He said, but somebody will come into your life that will be here on earth solely to do that. And he said, he will, yeah, that's exactly what happened for me. But at the time I said, well, Marishi, why can't you do it? And he said, look, he said, that's, you know, most people don't have a personal guru. Most people, especially in the TM movement, there were seven and a half million people. I was fortunate enough to be with Marishi and we helped him. And, you know, we helped him build, um, you know, 200 schools in India and four hospitals. And I basically, <laughs> many people know me, 
we ended up giving away so much money we didn't have anything left, and then we closed the company. I thought it was going to go on forever, but what happened was internet telephony made it so that the phone calls were free. We didn't have a chance to make any more money, but we gave it away, and I don't regret it for a second, but it's through that that Marishi was able to spread his knowledge, and that created a planet. And the whole thing that, you know, and I don't know your listeners, but the whole thing that if, if you want to heal somebody or you want to live a good life, or you really care about climate change, or you really care about the politics today, you care about these things, start with you as the individual. Clean up your environment. Clean up your thoughts. People don't realize that when they have a negative thought about somebody, whoever it is, whether it's a politician or whether it's somebody who just ran, the, ran over their foot in a car or somebody who hurt somebody they love. When you have a negative thought about someone, that is like throwing mud on them psychically and, and celestially. And the angels don't walk around, and they're not all sitting there. The positive angels aren't all sitting there being negative. They don't. They don't deal in negativity. So whatever we do doesn't mean we have to. We can't live a good life, and it doesn't mean we can't take care of all these things on the gross level. But don't underestimate the power of consciousness, because any great saint that lives since the beginning of time, from Christ onward and Buddha and all these great saints, they were able to mitigate things in the relative world. The relative world, as scientists are telling us now, can totally be manipulated by the unified field, by the unmanifest level. So you can have a miracle. If they can kill your body, they can also heal other things. I remember during the elections, we were on a tour in Los Angeles, actually, with John, and everybody was worried that Kim Jong-un was fighting with Trump and somebody was going to hit a button and was all worried. And John said to me, he said, I got to go. And he went into his room, for like going into a cave, but he went to his hotel room in Los Angeles for three or four days. He actually missed one of his events. He didn't come out. And he was in there basically praying for the mitigation of what was going on at the time, as many great saints, including Maurice, used to do constantly whenever there was that turmoil. But later I was all worried. I said, oh, John, I'm so worried that one of these guys is going to push a button. And he said, the only way that they could push that button is if it was written for them to push the button. In other words, the collective consciousness. And here on 9-11, we were talking about 9-11 and how that affects everything. The collective consciousness of that, what happened on 9-11, was there was so much negativity that was building up, whether it was with the Bush administration or this and the world or whatever. But people were negative. If you're negative throughout time, large groups of negativity create wars. It's on the level of consciousness these wars are created. So 9-11 was after the whole global, the whole uh, desert storm thing, and there's a lot of negativity, and we're blowing up other countries, and we're getting involved in wars and all. That creates negativity. And especially if you start a war that wasn't yours to start, and you go into another part of the world, there's karma that deserves to be in that part of the world. There's karma in the United States that deserves to be here. And as a collective consciousness, the United States had that karma. And on 9-11, very interesting, because Linda and I, my wife, we were in New York, and we were at the Plaza Hotel in New York, and we got a phone call from Marishi, who was in Europe, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, Marishi, we're in New York. He said, why are you in New York? And I said, well, we had this big thing last night. A friend of mine had a play that his son was doing, and, and Michael Jackson, they had some big concert in, in New York, and we decided to go. And, and he said, total waste of time. He said, New York is in trouble. <laughs> he <laughs> said, this is, this is on September 10th before that. And they said, what we should do is have a meeting of all of the leaders of all the TM movement around the world and get them on the phone. And he said, you can ring the bell of invincibility for New York because New York needs help. 
And I said, well, Marcia, I'm sitting here in a hotel. I don't have a bell. And he said, find something to clang. <laughs> so we took the lamp that was in the room in the Plaza Hotel, and I unscrewed the shade, and I took this metal pen that I had, and I, I banged it. I said, Marcia, how does this sound? He said, very good, very good. We'll use this. And he said, now we'll get the secretaries. He had these secretaries that had these big uh, communication boards in Europe, and he connected all these different countries and all the national leaders for this big call. He used to always do that. And he said, we're going to ring the bell of invincibility for New York. And he, so we did that, and each of the world leaders talked about this. We had no idea why we were doing this. Wow. But he kept us on the call for eight hours. Wow. And, and before we got on the call, he said to Linda and I, he said, when the call is over, I want you to get on a plane and leave New York immediately. So, you know, I used to listen to Maharishi as much as I could, but I didn't always do exactly what he said, and I should have. But, but anyway, we're in New York, and it's now the 10th, and we finally finished the call at 5.30. Our flight was at 7.30. Linda had already left. She took a cab to go to the Newark airport. She was at Newark airport, and I stayed behind to finish up the call. And we, our daughter needed – we had been gone for three or four days, and she needed Linda's attention – well, it turned out that our flight was canceled and everything, and she, she called me and told me that it was canceled. And then I said, you know, why don't we go over to, and we had inaugurated the Marishi Global Development Fund. It was $860 million that we raised from a lot of tech people and other people, and we were from people in the TM movement around the world. There were 7.5 million people that contributed, and we raised this money to build 200 schools in, in India and four hospitals. And when we inaugurated that, Marishi had this special Vedic time that we should do the astrology for, and we did that in New York in 1997, and here it is, 2001, and we took over the whole hotel practically. We had people come from all over the world, and we went to the top of the World Trade Center. And the guy and our bill, our, our the global at the time it was called the Global Development Fund, and the bill for our nonprofit to have all those people come in from around the world for this was a million dollars. I never had a hotel bill for a million dollars, and the foundation had to pay it. And we raised eight hundred and sixty million dollars, which is a lot of money, to build these schools and to do everything. And we so we raised all this money at this event at the World Trade Center, and I got to know the manager. And I had the thought, well, why don't I haven't been in New York in a long time? Why don't we go to see him? And we all Almost, and I called up Linda, and I said, while well, she was already at the airport, now I'm in the cab, and I'm going there, and I said, why don't we, why don't we go, and we'll just stay at the World Trade Center, and the guy will give us a good room, we'll have a nice day, get a good night, rest, and we'll leave tomorrow. And, he said, and she said to me, and her wisdom, and everybody who knows Linda knows that she's the one who keeps me out of trouble, and she said, what did Marishi tell you? He said, leave New York City the moment that this meeting is finished. So I said, but you're telling me our flight's delayed. She goes, just get to the airport. <laughs> So we, we got to the airport, our flight didn't leave, and it was horrible, and it was these people, every, all these flights were delayed, and, every, and there was some negative dim over all over New York City at the time, and we had felt it all weekend, and it was literally there. And, and what was happening was descending, whatever negativity was descending upon New York, and Marcy explained to us later that that's what happens, that literally some on a celestial level there's a negativity that descends on New York because this, all this negativity had been created with people with their negative thought forms and negative towards this and that and the war and all the stuff that was going on. And so what happened was we stayed there and we got out at 3 o'clock in the morning, and that was on September 11th. The planes came in, and they, when that first plane hit the World Trade Center and the second plane hit, we were already in North Carolina. Mm. But when that hit, and I watched it on TV because we hadn't gone to bed because we were still up and it happened early, the plane went into the office. This is the truth. The office of 
of the Marshy Global Development Fund that we had raised that $860 million, the plane actually blew up and went into that office. And four months earlier, Marshy called me up with a bunch of people on the phone again, and he said, I want to move the office. And I said, Marshy, look, we're going to do a bond offering. We had these bonds called World Peace Bonds. We're going to help the world, and we're going to do this. And we got it. I said, we have to have good address. Well, the best address at the time was the World Trade Center. Our lawyers were there, and our accountants were there. So we're going to do everything top drawer. We're going to do this the best way we possibly can to raise this money. And we didn't want to raise $860 million. We are trying to raise $5 billion to create groups of world peace professionals that would meditate around the world. And Marish said, you have to get out of the building. And he goes, but get a place in New Jersey where you can see the World Trade Center. And I said, Marish, there's, there's something, and the worst thing you ever want to say to a self-realized person <laughs> now was, Marish, you know, with all due respect, you really don't realize, and they realize, believe me, they realize, all is known, and they realize. But I said, Marish, you really don't realize that, that what we have to do is I signed a lease for 20 years, and this lease is very expensive, multi-million dollar lease for this office on the 92nd floor of the World Trade Center. And he said to me, call the man up. He said, right now, call him up and tell him you want to get out of the lease. And I said, Marcy, it's not that easy because of the commitment and it's millions of dollars. He said, just call him. So I finally listened to him. And we were, there was, must have been 10 of us on the phone, and I conferenced in this guy. And I conferenced in there. He was the manager of the World Trade Center. And I said to him, I said, this is Dr. Hart, and we'd like to see if we can get out of the lease. And he said, look, he said, I'm not going to be held up any longer. I'm going to give you one price. And we had had a lease for $26 a square foot. And he said, right now, I will, we're buying out leases for $36 a square foot, but don't ask me for a penny more. <laughs> we, we ended up making $10 a square foot on this very long lease. We ended up making a lot of money. And he said, I'll let you out, but that's it. And so we said, okay, done. And then Marishi said, well, what are we going to do about the address? And somebody piped up the man who was the manager of the office there at the World Trade Center. And I was actually in North Carolina at the time, and Marishi was in Europe. And he said, the guy said, I was on the elevator today with a man, and his job is he's got this, this call center, and they give you an address so you can keep your address at the World Trade Center, but you don't have to be there. And Maurice said, very good. This is supportive nature. Nature wants us to do this. So he said, we'll keep the address for Chris so it looks prestigious, but we'll actually be in New Jersey with a view of the World Trade Center. Four months later, it was 9-11. Oh, my God. If we had been in that office, all the people in our office would have been killed. And when you hear the word like Maharishi, what it, Maha means great, it's Sanskrit, it means the word just M-A-H-A means Maha. Rishi means seer. So what is a self-realized person? A self-realized person is just someone who can see the future. And they're the great seer. They're a seer into the future. And the first thing people say when they hear that is, well, can I make money doing that? Can I go down to the commodity exchange and go make money or stock exchange if I can see the future? You probably could. But that's not what it is. They're self-realized, and they realize, and Marishi basically saved our life, saved all the people that were going to be in that office, and they would, they all moved out. We made money on the whole process, mm. and it, that's the advantage of having the bubble, the protective bubble of a holy man. And what does a holy man mean? It just means there's no holes. They're not fragmented. They're not broken. They're whole. They're normal. You could have a holy man and he can be a plumber. You could have a holy man and he can be a contractor and build a house. You could have a holy man that fixes your car. So holy means just there's no breaks. There's no fragmented consciousness. 
So for our purposes, after and Master John Douglas, we've seen him do his little miracles. Every person, actually, we were in an event. I don't know if you were there, Bridget, but it was just a couple of months ago. We were in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and somebody asked us to come there, and we did an event, and it was a room full of people. And I had a friend of mine from Los Angeles, actually. She came in to see this, and I was looking at her, and she came, and one of the people that was her friend that she was staying with in Santa Fe is somebody we had gone to school with collectively. Linda and I had gone to school maybe 30 years ago. We had all gone to school together. And I said to her, I looked at this guy. I said, I know you think I'm crazy talking about miracles, but let's just see how many people in this room. Could you raise your hands if you had a health miracle that was facilitated by Master John Douglas? And there were over 60 or 70 people in the room that raised their hand. We actually got a videotape of this. It was kind of good, but we got everybody back in their heads because we didn't realize that everybody was going to be it was being filmed in the back of the room. But they got up and they said, yeah, I had a heart condition and valve, and he saved me here. I have an infection. I was in a hospital emergency. And people, even one lady, her brother got bit by a snake, and they did one of these, what John calls karmic mitigation blessings, where you can go on the website and you get this basically a special prayer for a very critical situation. And everybody went through the room and we call it the popcorn event because everybody was popping up talking about their miracles. The fact is that miracles do exist. If they didn't, I wouldn't be talking about it right now. You know, my life, I've had a great, great, wonderful life, but the most important thing that happened in my life was when I actually got healed and I was able to eat again, when I was able to go to the bathroom. Don't underestimate going to the bathroom. It's one of the great pleasures of life. <laughs> and, and, and I could eat, and don't underestimate being able to walk because that's a great thing. So eating, walking, and it seems so simple. But I don't care if you've got ten, tens of billions of dollars. If you can't do that, you can't do anything. So the fact is that anybody can be open to a miracle. If you're sick, they can call in through Bridget. We'll give, give the, the number there and whatever it is, the call-in number, and they can call into a free call. It costs you nothing. It's not about money. At this level, it's not about money. We raised hundreds of millions of dollars for Marishi. We're going to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for John to, to put this knowledge all around the world. We have a global tour planned. It's not about money. There's so many people now with a lot of money. It's not about money. What, there's many people who have a lot of money who are suffering. There's people who have a lot of money who are not nice people. It doesn't matter if you have money or don't have money. It's not the money that's bad. It's the consciousness. So increase your consciousness. John has the ability to do that. It's free. And and I remember last time we did a big free call like this. This was in the beginning, and I just it was the early days of Facebook, and you could buy Facebook ads, and they just came out with it. And I did it. We we all of a sudden the thing nobody was buying them, so we bought them, and, and we had seven thousand people ended up on this free call, and we barely could afford to pay for everybody being on the call because they charge us per person, and like that. So now there's a lot more of this out there, and we'll be able to do this. But I hope we have tens of thousands of people on there. The fact is that this knowledge works. It's not about the money. It's about you realizing your soul, you being happy, healthy, and terrific. And after all the suffering that we've all gone through on many levels, whether it's emotional, physical, financial, there's nobody I know who doesn't suffer. And now we have an ability to, to raise that. It's the collective consciousness of the world to be able to not suffer, not for the whole world yet, and a lot of places are very, very dark places on this planet. And they'll go through a transformation too. But right now in this country, in the United States, and in many other very good countries around the world, there's enough collective good consciousness to be able to change. If you have trouble with the politics of today, clean up your own consciousness. Meditate, pray, or do these t techniques that John has. Play these CDs. Do something to mitigate the karma of the world. That's where you really are effective. It's like if you have a boil. 
and and you know you could put a band-aid on it you could put salve on it or whatever but if you have a boil there's a problem on the level of the blood it's any problem we see manifest in physical creation is on the level of the problem which is on the physical level you have to deal on the unmanifest level that which is not seen and everybody people say oh angels well guess what 85 percent of people in the united states believe in angels that's just the truth that's a fact and everybody if you really think about it, if you talk to them long enough they do know the difference between what it feels like if you go into a bar that never closes in the middle of the night and a biker bar not to, I, I love biker bars actually i, <laughs> I you are to, a biker to do that a little bit too much sturgis and all that good stuff but but the, you go into there's a different feeling and it's not that there's angels, but they're not heaven's angels all the time. You know, it could be hell's angels. And, and the negativity, there's a certain negativity. And then you go into a church where there's a bunch of monks singing, there's a different feeling. Not that one's better. It's not a judgment. It's just that there's good forces and there's bad forces. And anybody like Master John or Marishi, they never said, oh, the good is good and the bad is bad. We hate the bad. No, we never hate. That's what people get wrong about politics. You don't hate the people that you don't like in politics because all that creates is more negativity negativity. You love them. You love them, but you also raise the consciousness so even they will make enlightened decisions. And they are controlled by higher beings also. They can have good thoughts just as well as their bad thoughts. So you just raise the consciousness and it, take, it does less and accomplishes more, basically, is what happens. And that's the whole thing. So everybody really believes in angels because you can feel. If I took you into a negative place, you know what that feels like. You know what a positive place feels like. So that's there. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And you talk to any child under the age of five and you get them quietly and you ask them when nobody's around and they're in a good mood and you say to them even though you're told by the angels not to talk to adults because the adults will tell them there's no such thing as angels and the kids will lose their celestial perception but usually if they're two three or four years old and i know i did this with my kids and i did it with my grandkids and they always say yes they can see angels they talk to the angels and tommy has his best friend or tommy has his imaginary friend his imaginary friend is a deity that's it it's an angel it's a being and every little kid if you get them in the right environment and don't ever tell them there's no such thing as angels because the moment you do, they'll believe you because you're an adult and it kills it. So they tell them not to tell the, the adults about the angels. But I've done this and I've done it for years, over 20 years. My wife and my kids know this and we did it with their kids and their friends' kids. They all know angels. So yes, we all know deep down that there's goodness. And so what Master John does and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and Yogananda and all these great saints, they don't hate the demons. They just don't supply them with energy. They don't promote them. They love them as much as they love the angels, but they love them to the point where they try to get them back to life. And back to light is what they do. They return them back to light. And there are less than positive things in people's physiology. They manifest. And that's why if you, you know, people are, are bipolar and they've got four or five things. Yes, they have something in their physiology that's not positive. And that can get removed. And throughout time, whether it's in the the church, the Christian church, where they have exorcisms or what it is, the bottom line is you don't even have to go into that degree. It doesn't matter how they get removed. You just want that negativity removed. And that's what a true healer does. They mitigate. This is a long answer to a small question. <laughs> Bridget asked me 30 minutes ago. She says, how does he mitigate karma? But that's what they do. They take away the negativity out of your body. And that's why every event we have, we take pictures of the people in the beginning and then when they're leaving. And we just started doing this because they come and they're all grumpy and they're all in pain and suffering and they leave and they're happy in a two to three hour event they go through that transformation 
every person who listens on the call, either they fall asleep because they needed that deep rest or they end up in a lot of bliss. And even when they wake up from that sleep, they'll end up in bliss. Many of us were brought to John, as I know you were, by your by our physical circumstances. Some illness brought brought us to him and it's and we all are thanking god that we had the illness that brought us to him because then we got to the real work which was raising our consciousness as you were talking about but it's such a blessing to be brought and i want to just say also in terms of john always gives on these on the calls and the video events and the so the video event is just a video of a live event that occurred. So it's just a videotape of that event, but it's as if it is the event with John live that day. So the video events are happening on October 27th, all around the globe, actually on October 27th for the first time. But this event also on, on September 28th, John will be on the phone and we'll all be on the phone and you'll be feeling... If you're sensitive, you'll be feeling the presence of those thousands and thousands of people around the globe that are all joined to John's voice. And he will be giving massive blessings that day, physical karmic mitigation type blessings. Isn't that true, Chris? Absolutely. Beautifully said. That's exactly what happened. And and the thing is, you know, people hear this and it's not that we're zealots for John Douglas, Master John Douglas. It's just that we're just grateful. We all had problems. You know, Bridget, you could tell your story. I can tell my story. And then not only did he heal me, but he healed my two daughters out of my three daughters. He healed, you know, my mother, my father, my, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. I mean, there's so many. So what do you do if you had a friend that would help you and he helped you move your, your house when you're moving into a new apartment, you'd thank them. Well, that's what we're grateful for. And what happens is once people get healed, they say, what can I give back? Now that I'm happy, healthy, and terrific, and that's what Linda and I do. We started these foundations saying, how can we promote this guy? So Because he won't promote himself. He's the humblest guy I know. He doesn't do anything like that. He just heals. And every, whether you're in the airport with him or whether you're in an event, everybody around him, he's healing. But he does it. He's such a normal person. And it's not like he wants millions and millions of followers. He's, he doesn't get off on that. There's not an ego there. What he gets off on is his mission. And his mission is to teach as many people as possible to do what he does, which he has been doing. And that's his advanced courses. And that what you've taken, Bridget, I've taken, my wife has taken, my daughter, two of my daughters have taken very very powerful but more importantly it's it's we love him but it's not about john he'll be the first to tell you it's about your relationship with god ultimately and what is god that's a whole nother discussion but it doesn't it's very simple it's like we have all these techniques all these meditation programs and everything and everybody thinks they're different and they defend that like they defend their political beliefs what are you are you a muslim or you're the it doesn't matter we're all humans the only thing everybody has the same soul all that matters is that you have a connection to God and happiness. And John, right now, has the most powerful technique I know to heal the physiology, to help you heal your own physiology, and to get in contact with your soul. And then all those meditations and TM and all this other stuff, which is fabulous meditation, all this stuff is icing on the cake. But the reality is you've got to get healthy. You've got to get the negativity out of your physiology that's making you sick. You have to have that mitigated. John can do that, and he can do that from a distance. You could be on. We have people uh, on Australia who are on the call when we're here in the United States, and John heals them from the United States, and they can feel it in Australia. Australia. When he's in Australia, he heals people in the United States. And they said, how does that happen? It's outside of time and space. It happens. They summons these angels. The angels are everywhere. There's a whole hierarchy. It's much, it's just like being 
at a command center for the biggest army in the world, but it's a cosmic army of those angels, and people can get healed. And I don't know one person that's ever come to a John Douglas event, either on the phone or in person, that doesn't get off that call or is it leaves the event and says, I felt something fabulous. Now, two days later, they forget, they feel horrible again, and they bring back <laughs> the negativity. They yell at their wife, they scream at their kids, and they create all this negativity in life, and they're back to feeling it. But something has been mitigated in most cases. Some major negative block that was in their physiology was creating their dis-ease was removed. John has the ability to do that. Many of his elite p- teachers have the ability to do that now. And how do they do it? It's not that they're healers. Bridget, you can heal. I know which you're capable of. She can heal. But what is that? She has the ability, Bridget has the ability to summon and ask the master angels and supreme God to come in and help that person. We're like air traffic controllers and we bring them in. But it's not spooky. Everybody can do this. Anybody can do this. It's not like it's foreign. This is our birthright to be happy, healthy, and terrific. And maybe we should end on that because really that's that, for me, that's the ultimate thing is it's not weird. It's just we all have a birthright and it's free. Hello. It's free. <laughs> it's free. It's going to cost us a lot of money, but that's okay. That's what we have all these donors for. And, you know, let the people who have the money pay for these other people to do this and at least get exposed to it. And then everybody has their own karmic responsibility. They got to pick up, they got their own karmic bank account. And they got to make deposits in that bank account. And they have to listen to their CDs or do their meditation or do whatever they do. But we have to take responsibility for life. Well, one more story seems to be coming up here. I remember my father who's now passed on and he's a great, great man. And he said to me once, he said, Chris, you're into this meditation and you've got three daughters and your wife and you know, you live in the middle of the mountains. What would you do if somebody was a home invasion, they came and they could, you know, you wouldn't harm the person. I said, no, I do everything in my power to stop those people from harming the people I love. He said, well, how does that mesh with Marishi, who's all love and, and all your friends, John Douglas, and everybody who's, who's into love. And I said, this, this, just because we're into love doesn't mean we don't have Dharma. And I, I said, if someone tries to harm my, my children, I would step in there. That's, there's a reason. That's what the whole Ramayana is all about. And, and Ram fighting the, the negativity and all that stuff. We have Krishna and the whole being taught with Arjuna, to teaching Arjuna how to fight. When there's this standing up for what is good, there's a whole difference. But the question is, who's making the decision of whether it's good or not? And the political beliefs that people have, and they'll start a war over something that they think is good, but it's not divinely inspired. But at the end of the day, my father said to me, he said, let me ask you the ultimate question. He was very wise. And he said to me, what if you're home alone and there's nobody else in your house and you're literally, which we are maybe 20 minutes from the nearest police station. He said, and you get a home invasion and four guys come in. Would you shoot them or would you do whatever you could? And I said, no. And he said, why not? I said, well, it's like being on a golf course. You get hit by lightning. You can't say, well, God didn't want me to get hit by lightning. You get hit, hit by lightning on a golf course. That's your karma. You're, you have to deal with that. The same thing here. We have to take full responsibility for our lives. If they came as a home invasion, nobody was there. That's my karma. Face-to-face, that's my karma with that person. Mm-hmm. And then I have to decide. I'm not protecting anybody. It's not my dharma to protect myself. That's the deal. So, you know, I would have to surrender. And that's me. I'm not saying everybody else should do that. Everybody has their own ways of doing it. But God forbid if somebody tries to hurt my kids and my wife, but at the same time, if I'm alone, that's my karma. And the same thing when you're sick. The first thing you have to do is accept the responsibility. It's not somebody's fault because they had some product that you ate that made you sick. If you got sick, 
That's your karma. Yes, that may have been delivered through the product, or you may have gotten cancer because of this or that. Absolutely. But you have to, you don't go sue them. That's accept your consequences for your responsibility. I have cancer. I have this. I have that. And then say, I need help. Mm -hmm. And you do those two things and then be grateful afterwards. You will have a happy life. And we've had experiences right now, and Bridget knows a lot of people that I know. One got very close friend of mine. His body was riddled with cancer. The guy listened on the phone to 23 of John's events as we went on our world tour. He, he across the country, or a U.S. tour across the country. He listened to every event. At the end, the guy was healed. It was the biggest miracle John had ever done to date at the time. But all this cancer disappeared. People say, well, you know, it, was, it was just, you know, it happens once in a while. No, it happened because John helped mitigate it. This guy surrendered. The fact is that we have to take responsibility. So it's not that it's everybody else's fault, the politician's fault, this person's fault, you know, climate change's fault. Take responsibility for your climate. Clean up your act. Get yourself in line. Become soul-realized. Get yourself so that you're not leaving any footprint of negativity on this planet, and everything will take care of itself. And John offers us that window of opportunity. Maharishi offered it while he was alive, and there's many, many great saints throughout time. Christ offered many people, but they didn't understand it. It's here now. It's here now for anybody who has the courage to accept responsibility for their life. And with that, I'm going to stop, Bridget. I love you, as you know. I love you. And whoever your people are, I don't know who they are, but they're so smart to be listening to you. Because and I, I'm not just saying that, and you know I don't give out compliments unless I mean it. There's no part of me that I, uh, there's no fluff here. We, we tell the truth. We're all about the truth. We create the truth. And that's what we're about. We're about truth and truth of the matter. And you are divine, and I thank you for your time. Thank and you. And God bless all of your, your listeners. And please, come see John for free on the 28th of September. Yes. Um, and I will put the um, all the details of all of the, what we talked about in the podcast notes. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you, Dr. Christopher Hartnett, for making this anniversary of 9-11 a consciousness-raising one. I love you. Bye, Bridget. Thank you. I could listen to him for hours. That was Dr. Christopher Hartnett. If, if you want to find out more about Master John Douglas, go to masterangels.org. And I've got all kinds of other links in the podcast notes for you to follow. I hope to feel you on the call on September 28th. Thanks for coming, superheroes. And if you like the podcast, please go rate and review it and subscribe to it. It brings more superheroes of love into the fold. And that can only be a good thing. Have a great day, superhero.